Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Buds and Blue Jays. I'm your host, Jesse Burrell, and I'm joined as always by my co-host, Riley McConnell. Riley, how are you, man? Good today, Jesse. A lot of rain happening right now. It's mm-hmm. supposed to freeze overnight. I don't plan on going anywhere. Just staying nice and hunkered in. Yeah, it's really cold and crappy outside. And in here, we're dreaming of summer nights at the ballpark, nice warm sun, all that exciting stuff. Uh, can't wait for it to finally happen here. Yeah, it, I really can't wait to. I'm getting awfully frustrated, I'll tell you, Jesse. Yeah. Today on the show, we're going to open up the time machine a little bit, and we're going to go over some of the great Toronto Blue Jays teams in the past, cover some of our favorite eras, some of our favorite teams, some of our favorite players. We're also going to throw in some Would You Rather Blue Jays edition, and we're also going to do some trivia as well, all the staples you're getting used to on this show. Uh, but as you mentioned, you just got a little frustrated about uh, the labor talks and all that stuff there. We did have MLB and MLBPA meet again today, but their meeting only last fi- lasted 15 minutes long today. And Riley, I want to throw things to you. What have you done in your life that's lasted at least 15 minutes? Well, today, for instance, I was sitting on something white and round, um, <laughs> you know, for about that time, not getting any excruciating details. But <laughs> yeah, that's uh, it's not, I wouldn't even call that a meeting. That's um, That's a hello or a goodbye. It's one of those things in corporate they said, this could have been an email. What are we even doing here? It's basically uh, that meeting was just as long as Mike Napoli's uh, Blue Jays tenure in here really quick. And is also probably not even as long as a typical Raphael Dolis sitting on the mound. So take with that what you will. The MLB and MLBPA are probably going to meet again here sometime soon. We'll talk about it when they do. But let's move on to something a little more positive, shall we? Sounds good to be, man. I'm just, just a headache all the time with that. Uh, I can't even like, I know we're trying to be more, um, you know, into Twitter and everything like that, but Mm -hmm. it's awfully hard when all I'm reading is just negative things, negative things. So hopefully today's episode will bring me up, talk about stuff I like. Yeah. Well, we, while we anxiously await what baseball looks like in the future, we will go back in time and we're going to play some, remember some guys and talk about some blue Jays teams in the past. Uh, now, both note, Riley, you and I are both in our mid to late 20s here, so we were only really alive for the team probably 2,000 eras on, but I know I've done a little bit of research. I've watched all the World Series tapes. I know you have uh, have dove deep into the Blue Jays history books, so I'm excited to see what we can come up with, and let's just jump right into it. Let's travel back in time. Let's go to a cold April morning at Exhibition Stadium in Toronto in 1977. The Toronto Blue Jays were just an expansion team. They got in there. And they played their first game April 7th in a very cold and snowy exhibition stadium where I think the Blue Jays won that game. Doug Alt hit two home runs. And just like that, the Blue Jays were in flight, as Jerry Howard would say. Tell me a little bit more about that team. Well, start off 100% winning percentage. Hey, one and all. Let's um, go. Sadly, um, Jesse, the first, uh, the first few years in Toronto, I should say more than a few, there's a handful of years, we did – Extremely poor. Being a new team to the MLB, being an expansion team, we did not have the cream of the crop players at the time. Which is typical. Uh, which is which is how it goes. You got to start at the bottom and and, and build your way up. Um, mm-hmm. We currently sit. We have three thousand five hundred and six wins and three thousand five hundred and fifty seven losses. Um, I know that's hard to comprehend. Jesse might write something on the board, but a forty nine point <laughs> six winning percentage. If so you round that up, that's and wins, eh? It's it still it's close though. I'm sure mm-hmm. if you looked at a looked at a lot of teams, we'd have probably one of the closest closest records. We we come close a lot of years. First three years were the worst though. Fifty four and one hundred seven in nineteen seventy seven. 
1978, 59, and 102 losses. Mm-hmm. And it's 79, 53 wins, and 109 losses. So comparatively, those are going to get you in today's MLB 28th to 30th, and most years probably last place 30th. I mean, that's what to expect, right? You don't really have any big impact players. You don't really have a farm system. The only players you're taking from the expansion draft are players that other teams kind of, you know, they didn't really want or they're just league average players, you know? So it's tough to build a winning team from that. That's fair. Out of that that draft, though, we did get longtime catcher uh, Ernie Witt. Ernie um, Witt, yeah. Who was, was I mean, he was the backstop for the Jays forever. I don't have his start and finish dates, but... Trust me when I say this guy was, he was, took his, more than his fair share of work behind the plate for a decade plus uh, for the Toronto Blue Jays. And also, you know, despite those poor three seasons, we did end up drafting uh, Steve, Dave Steve, yep, Dave Steve, and Alfredo Griffin, who was the, of what year? What year, uh, Jesse? Was, yeah, he was rookie of the year in 1979. So a kind of a bright spot for the early Jays there. Having this young kid go up and take the league by storm. So it's always nice to have something like that, you know, kind of uh, a light spot in a dark, dark time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's and in 1981, we got to see the premier outfield uh, start their major league careers. And um, that'd be Lloyd Mosby, George Bell, and Jesse Barfield. Uh, for those of you who don't know, you should know who they are. Um, <laughs> if you're a new Jays fan, that's fine. Um, Basically, these guys all came up at the same time through the Jays organization, and they were the outfield for the 1980s for the Toronto Blue Jays. Right, um, like picture pa- picture this power, core. speed, everything. Yeah, picture this core a lot like Vlad and Bo and Vigio and stuff are now. This was what they were back in the early 1980s. These were the guys who first came up, the first little prospects that the Blue Jays had grown that they were bringing up to the major league. So these would have been the guys that Jays fans would have learned from a very early on in their franchise and followed their careers all the way up. So in 81, they were finally here. Yeah. And I'm sure the fans back then, they could be a version of you and I back then in the early eighties, <laughs> kind of pining on these guys. Like we do currently Bo and Cav and Vlad and yep. whoever else. Um, so you grow them a little bit, you know, we still struggle through our, you know, next couple seasons. I think you said 1983 was our first winning season. So 1982, let's let's not move too far ahead there. Um, yeah. We got a new manager. Bobby Cox took over as manager of the team. And it was in the 82 season, I really found that the Jays started actually to progress here. They didn't get a winning season. They finished 78 and 84. But their pitching staff started to kind of show up, as well as that young outfield, like you mentioned, Lloyd Mosby and Jesse Barfield. Uh, Dave Steve was kind of turning into his own and becoming a very good pitcher there. Uh, Jim Clancy might be a name you remember. Uh, Luis Leal, who if you look actually at a lot of Blue Jays leaderboards, he's up there for wins and innings pitch. So kind of guy like that. So 82 was the, they didn't have a winning season, but they kind of started to progress and look a little better. Hey, that's a, you show uh, some bright spots, like still a young team. Like, I mean, we haven't touched on the ages of anyone. Obviously the majority of these players are very young. Uh, Steve included, they had their outfield that was extremely young, like, it's kind of the inexperience in baseball. You know, it's an older man's game for the most part. Veterans sticking around, especially at this time. So hadn't built up the experience just quite yet. I'll use, don't need an excuse for that team in that era, but I'll say, you know, it could have been a lack of experience. Probably, almost definitely, right? There was yeah. probably a few little veterans sprinkled in here. Um, 
Willie Upshaw played first base for that team, and he was the first Blue Jay to have 100 RBIs in a season. So there's a little fact for you. Um, Never have known. So bright spots are slowly creeping into this Blue Jays team. Let's move ahead to next year, 1983. What do you got? 1983? Mm-hmm. 1983, we have our first winning year, man. Sure do, yep. It's it's when things finally, finally, finally start to come together. Um, I believe at this time we have uh, – we've acquired uh, Tony Fernandez. He's still young and hasn't played. I think he's kind of in our – whatever triple a he might even be a bench player at that point same with jimmy key one yeah, of the I, best left-handed pitchers of the era i had this is when the jays were even making a bigger breakthrough they're actually leading the al east for most of the summer including at the all-star break but they had kind of had a second half slump in august and september uh in the end of that year they finished with a winning record their first one in franchise history at 89 and 73 but in those days it was only good enough for fourth place nine games behind the eventual world series champions baltimore orioles Good little run for the Jays in 83. That outfield core of Lloyd Mosby, Jesse Barfield, and all them have, they got a little better. They're getting later into their careers. You could really have something you could hope for and dream of, of summer in Blue Jays baseball there. Yeah, and they honestly, we're only in 83. Uh, they get better. Uh, spoiler alert, those guys get better. This team gets better. <laughs> yeah. and You know, it's, it's funny, Jesse, just thinking of this now, you know, it's very comparative to the guys we, you know, guys we have now. And, uh, and how this is going to work out possible, you know, different play on. <clears throat> uh, maybe we could even see a 100-win season um, because the next big season would be 1985 where we won 99 games and lost 62. Now, for those of you who are good at math or know how many games there are in a regular <laughs> MLB season, um, we're missing a game in there. Mm-hmm. I, and Jesse and I... A little late to the research, but something happened. So, you know, either a rain date that didn't get finished, something like that. Um, That's my best guess, yeah. There was a rain out or something scheduled late in the year, but they decided just to not play that game because it wouldn't have mattered in terms of seeding or draft picks or anything, so they just scrapped it. We do see that occasionally from time to time. I remember, I think, in 2014 or 15, the Cubs and Rockies just didn't play a game because it had no impact on the standings or anything, so they just scrapped it. But night, but just 90, 99 and 62. That's an important game. <laughs> we we have three 100 loss seasons or more than 100 loss seasons. We don't right. have any 100 win seasons. That could have, should have been it. You know, right? Um, you're right. Now I'm mad. Now we got to solve this, figure out what happened to that missing game. I'm going to, I'm going to go we're back gonna, to 85 and see if we can. Uh, I, I'm, we're, I'm baseball reference. I'm going back to the 85 season after this is done. Um, uh, <laughs> I'll let you know um, Friday morning on Twitter what I find out. There you go. Perfect. Because it is, you know, um, that that's the shoulda, coulda been year. Um, we ended up losing to and the Royals in the AL Championship Series. That was the farthest we ever got at that point. Yeah, and I don't know if you ever talk to a Blue Jays fan in the mid-80s, they will tell you that that 85 team was special. And if you look at how the team lost that year, uh, they – uh, we're two games ahead of the New York Yankees in the regular season, and they went to face Kansas City in the ALCS, and they actually had a 3-1 to one game lead. Now, I know we joke in sports now, be like, oh, the series was 3-1, you blew a 3-1 <laughs> lead, but the Jays did. They blew that lead. Kansas City won three in a row, and uh, they ended up winning the series in seven games on their way to Kansas City's first World Series championship. So... I'm kind of sick of seeing Kansas City in the playoffs. I don't know about you, but... Man, well, it's the Jays. 
that's all right. You know, tell me how you really feel. Oh, <laughs> by the way, this is very impolite of me. Happy birthday, Jesse Burrow. Oh, yeah. Thanks, man. Um, um, a little bit late. We'll kind of stop now. Jesse, you turn, I'm going to guess, 28 today. Uh, 29 and feeling fine, my man. Ooh, and looking yeah. good, too, sir. Thanks. Looking hey, good, too. Diet and exercise goes a long way. Oh, um, yeah, for sure, man. Kind of um, interruption about our little talk here. We'll kind of pause at 85. Because it is my birthday today, I do want to give a shout out to two other Blue Jays who share a birthday with me today. Um, and if you want to talk about some remember some guys, how about these guys? Uh, so two. born today, February 17th, uh, is Mike Machia or Mike Maka. Does that name ring a bell to you? Ooh, I'm not too sure, man. I've been looking. I probably looked at 500 plus names today. Don't remember a Mike Machia. Okay, you'd be a Blue Jay sicko if you did, because he only had eight at bats for the team in 1980. <laughs> <laughs> and he, uh, he didn't get a single hit. He went over eight in his two or three games he played. Um, but hey, happy oh. birthday, Mike. Shares a birthday happy with birthday. me. And then another guy who's a little bit more recent is uh, Danny Farquhar. Oh, who, lovely. There's a Love name it, I might remember, yep. His Blue Jays yeah. career was cut short. He only threw two innings pitched. He gave up three hits, two walks, and one strikeout in 2011 before we traded him. I don't – I think that was the Drew Hutchison trade. I could be wrong there. He went um, to Detroit. He went to Detroit. Or the, he went in the AL Central. Um, I remember Farquhar because he was one of the pitchers that um, – Picked up on the trash can hit and face in Houston. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a video of right, yep. he, he he switched his signs mid at bat and struck. Uh, I don't know who was batting, but uh, st- struck him out. And it was a guy was hanging out on two strikes for like three pitches, and he could clearly hear the bang. So good baseball IQ, Danny Farquhar. Yeah, and hey, great birthday in my opinion. So those, great that's birthday for Blue Jays who were born today. So I share a birthday with those Blue Jays legends as well as Michael Jordan. So happy birthday, Michael Jordan. Happy birthday, MJ. I don't know who I share a birthday with. I really have never found someone who has the same birthday as me, October 15th. So if you know anybody, um, let me know or don't, because I don't really care. <laughs> we can look that up on uh, your birthday. Hopefully the Jays are in a World Series by then. and then. Sure, man. Yeah. Like All right. Let's flash back now. We continued at 85. The Blue Jays just had their first playoff appearance. Uh, after that loss and that devastating loss, Bobby Cox actually left the Blue Jays. He returned to his, uh, his team, Atlanta Braves, and he became the general manager there. So the Jays were in need of a manager. And I guess the rest is history, as they say, when they decided to make Cito Gaston the next manager of the Toronto Blue Jays. As we get into the next big era of defining this team, the late 80s, early 90s. What do you got there, Riley? This is, I call, I even labeled it, this is the Cito era. I don't know what he has on the, uh, to impact players, but it's something, man. Um, Cito Gaston, in my opinion, I got to, we both, I assume, get, got to watch him round two in Toronto um, with, you know, a team maybe less talented than he had his first trial through, mm-hmm. um, but a special manager for sure. Um, so 19, the late 80s, before we even, you know, get to the good stuff, because we still are dragging our feet through the mud in a sense. You know, we just lost the ALCS, you know, trying to put pieces back together, um, things like that. Still don't have the big names of the World Series. Obviously, we got at this point, we have Tony Fernandez and Kelly Gruber, Jimmy Key, uh, Tom Hankey, Fred McGriff, Dwayne Ward, um, all guys that were on the World Series team. Um, mm-hmm. still those guys alone, aren't going to win it. Um, Pat borders, um, can't forget Pat borders. One of the most important catchers, if not the most important catcher, um, 
and Blue we'll Jays talk about history. him a little later on. We don't forget about Pat Borders. I, I, I never forget Pat Borders, <laughs> sir. Um, I just want to stop here in 1988, though. Um, I was today, today's years old. What do the kids say now when yeah. I found this out, whatever? Uh, the 1988 Blue Jays is probably one of the most interesting teams with guys that I love all over the board. Okay. Um, all over the board. Um, <clears throat> I'll just go through basically their, their, their starting nine, no DH, not really going to touch on things like that. Just the guys who played the most games per position. Um, so Ernie Witt. This Ernie is Witt, yep. Same 12th, guy. 12th year. As the Blue Jays catcher, I think that's great. Uh, we had a 24-year-old Fred McGriff, um, yeah. who at this point was just starting to tear the cover off the ball. He had 34 um, home runs that year. 34 home runs that year. Yeah. Um, up the middle, we had Manuel Lee and Tony Fernandez, uh, two you know quick guys, two sure-handed infielders. Um, and then at the hot corner, uh, my mom's favorite baseball player, <laughs> Kelly Gruber. He had the hair. The woman loved had, the hair. Yeah, the, the Texas, a- Texas accent and the hair, yeah. I think. And then in the outfield, George Bell, Mosby, and Jesse Barfield, like in their prime age, they were all 28 years old. Um, mm-hmm. Just an interesting, interesting team um, because guys were young. Um, the elder statesman of the club, Ernie Witt, 36. Um, mm-hmm. Still a youthy team. Um, I'm almost surprised looking at that, Jesse, that that team couldn't have potentially been, you know, if if Barfield and Mosby had a held on to their careers a little bit better, um, could that have been the 1992 World Series team instead? Very well you know, put. we, we Very don't well know. Yeah. You know, things happen and stuff like that. That's fine. Um, so but, yeah, this is, this is the Cito era here, and he's about to – you know, this is going to change. This whole roster is going to change. Yeah. Well, I lied to you. Jimmy Williams was actually the skipper for the start of the 86 year, at least. Um, yeah, no. Cito came in 89. Don't worry. 89. I got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I jumped the gun. I got excited about Cito. But you talked about that 88 season. Um, that was also the season where Dave Steve had back-to-back starts uh, where he gave up a no-hitter with two out and two strikes in the ninth inning. So oh, man. Then- I- yeah. I have eight complete games and four shutouts for him. Are yeah. you kidding? Dude, that's hard. Yeah. So it was back, wow. literally back-to-back starts. So Dave Steve was on another level that year. And you talked about that outfield. George Bell, the year prior in 87, that was the MVP season that he had had. That was the first Blue Jays MVP in team history. And he, he was a monster. So the Blue Jays are starting to get these high-quality players at every position. They're coming off their playoffs. Barriers. The Blue Jays are winning. Things are good in the late 80s to be a Blue Jays man. And things are going to get a lot better. All I'm right. gonna, just going to jump right into 1991 okay. um, with our newly founded ballpark in Toronto, Sky Dome. Yep. Retractable roof came in in 89. So it was, yeah. uh, it was all starting. It was like a new era almost of Blue Jays baseball. Yep. And we hosted the All-Star Game in 1991. Yep. Um, you know, to showcase our new field. Those three years were great for the Blue Jays. Also, we haven't hosted an all-star game since, which, like, come on, 91's the last time? It's been over 30 years now. Like, I know. I did, I've did. done the math in my head, too. It should be a rotation. Yeah, it's it should be the Blue Jays' time soon to get a, another all-star game in here. Yeah, I mean, like, they had it um, at Coors Field, so, like. <laughs> but anyways, continue with your 81 season. What happened there? 91 season. That's what I meant, yeah. Oh, I know what you meant, Jesse. Yeah. No worries. This Numbers are going to get confused. 
it's not your fault because I'm all over the place too. I write like chicken scratch. I don't <laughs> write stuff on a fancy computer. I'm old school that way. Um, 91, welcome. Uh, all rude and lighter start their careers up. Obviously part of, you know, the next couple years. Um, all rude really coming into his own. Mm-hmm. But in 1991, the it's it's funny that it's closer to the team in the late 80s than it is like the 92 and 93 year. Those are two completely different teams. Right. In 1990, because... I should just jump into 92 right now and tell you who we added no. to that okay. roster. Okay, Roberto Roberto Alomar. Yeah, Hall of Fame. Candy... Roberto Alomar. Hall of Hall of Famer. Candy yep. Maldonado, just love the name, and he was a steady Eddie outfielder. Great baseball name. Um, probably uh, Kevin Pillar before Kevin Pillar, Devon White. Mm-hmm. The guy who had uh, the triple play but was never called. Oh, it was mid. Gruber tagged him. Oh, 100%, yep. Oh, my God. That, that was Sanders, too, that shifty little. Oh. <laughs> um, we added uh, 40 or 41-year-old Dave Winfield. Yeah, another Hall um, of Famer. Uh, it, and what a great was I pretty sure it was the DH for us. I mean, you couldn't, couldn't get a better DH. Um, and then obviously the last position player being Joe Carter, we got in 92. Um, and everybody on this channel has heard of Joe Carter. I'm sure um, he's done some pretty cool things for the Jays. Um, and for pitchers, notable names, Jack Morris. Yep. Just Pat came Hankin. over in that off season. Yep. Pat Hankin and Juan Guzman who mm-hmm. I really like, enjoyed, you know, um, on the old World Series video. I really liked watching Juan Guzman pitch. Mm-hmm. He had such a, he had first, he had a bright blue glove, great hair, great look to him. And he just, he was so, I want to say reserved looking, but it almost tur- was turned into a swagger almost. It was, right. it was a, and he had just a, great pitches, man, velocity control, uh, just through the hard stuff. Loved watching him. Um, he was clutch for the team in the playoffs. Of, Oh yeah, um, <clears throat> a comparable to the guys in the next year. So, in 1992, let's go back. Um, you know, let's w- work on the NL side of things. Um, obviously, we, we don't have video capabilities. Um, one of the most exciting plays in the NL, um, the play at the plate. Do you know what I'm talking about? Barry Bonds about to throw the runner out, and he just yeah. gets in. I think it was Sid Bream. That sounds right. It was in the NLCS, right? Where Atlanta NLCS. beat Barry Bonds with Pittsburgh. Yeah. Oh, that was an insane play, man. Mm-hmm. Insane play. So the 92 regular season went well for the Jays. They finished with a record of 96 and 66, four games ahead of Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, a fun fact about that 92 season that I did not realize until I saw it is the Jays were never swept in a single game that whole year in 92. They won at least one game every series. They were the first team in the last 49 years to for that to happen so i said wow when i that's saw that a, that's a wow man that's yeah. a wow that's, that's a so like here's a did they ever slump as a team i don't think the there's a they didn't if you win a game every you know couple games you're not slumping yeah they kind of did they'd have a lot of series where they'd win one lose two win one lose two but you know better, better than being swept i don't know man yeah they could slump but better than being swept Hundred percent. You take the games you can, right? Yeah. So, you know, they went into the playoffs in 1992. Things started to get good. You know, they hadn't made the playoffs since '85, so the thoughts of you know choking and stuff might go. And they ran into a very tough. Was it Oakland that year? 
Oh, the ALCS. Oh, yeah. Eckersley and his athletics. Yes, it was Oakland that year. Yeah. Yeah. So the pivotal game of the series was game four and which a lot of Blue Jays fans would consider to be one of the most important games in Blue Jays history. The Blue Jays were losing six to one after seven innings and they made a huge comeback and it was all capped off by Roberto Alomar's huge game tying two run home run off Hall of Famer closer Dennis Eckerley in the top of the ninth inning. Yeah. The Jays took that momentum. They got a seven six win in 11 innings and because of that made their series a three to one lead, which they would eventually close out in six games. So if you're a Blue Jays guy, I know you've seen the Roberto Alomar home run. He hits it. The hands immediately go off. He's fist pumping around the bases. Huge moment in Blue Jays history and one that every Blue Jays fan should know. Who was the right fielder that he hit it over? Oh, God. Uh, Jose Consenco? No. Oh, you don't. You don't remember the call then? Ruben no, I don't C- remember the call. Ruben Sierra. Mm. Just, to, just, just to throw that out there, because that call, I can't remember exactly. I remember Sierra looking up and this game is tied was the end of that call. Makes sense. Chills, and, just thinking about oh, it. Oh, me too, man. Absolutely. Great home run, man. Good for Alomar. What a so season. The, what a playoff player. Mm-hmm. So the Blue Jays then moved on. They faced Atlanta Braves in the World Series after their walk-off hit that you were just talking about there to get into Pittsburgh. The pivotal game in that series turned out to be game two in which bench player Ed Sprague hit a ninth inning two-run home run off Braves clover Jeff Reardon to give the Blue Jays a 5-4 to four lead, which ended up holding up. Game three, Candy Maldonado hit a ninth inning RBI hit, and Jimmy Key pitched a gem in game four, seven and a third innings pitch, and retired the last 15 batters he faced. So the Jays took a nice three to one lead on Atlanta. Atlanta comes back and wins game five. Game six, they go down to Atlanta. Jays leading three games to two, and it was a very close game. Toronto was one strike away in the winning in the bottom of the ninth, but Otis Nixon hit a game tying single off Tom Henke. So pressure's on again right it's three to one the jays are thinking oh no could this happen but no need to no need to worry about it it was pat borders the blue jays catcher who uh, came through with a big hit in the end and then mike timlin uh fielded the bunt to win game six and have toronto's first world series title in 1992 love that there's a great name uh mike timlin i remember him um in my lifetime obviously uh the setup pitcher for the red sox um Obviously, he was, I don't think he was, he was probably the third guy down uh, Cito's list. It, it was Tom Hankey, the closer, Dwayne Ward's setup guy, and then Timlin would be in there somewhere. Uh, this game was at, in the bottom of the 10th, though, I believe, was it not? The 11th. The 11th. So yeah. in extra innings, in an NL ballpark, I mean, you gotta, you're, you're gonna, you know, use some different guys. And uh, yeah, I remember, I remember, you know, seeing it in the highlights, not live, obviously, but Otis Nixon goes to bunt. Which I mm-hmm. thought was I thought was stupid to do. I mean, the guy's <laughs> fast. He's a great leadoff hitter, but he's you know, yeah, whatever. We'll get it's, into talks about our thoughts on bunting as the season goes on. I'm sure. Yeah, uh, absolutely, dude. But yeah, anyways, I have my thoughts on specific plays. We won the World Series, though, man. Joe Carter caught the ball on first base and yep. leapt up and down. And um, I wonder if he'll do any jumping in the next season. <laughs> Let's get to that next season. After the 92 season, the Blue Jays let Dave Winfield and, and longtime closer Tom Henke go, but they did re-sign two free agents. They uh, they signed Paul Molitor, who he'll have a big year, spoiler alert. <laughs> and then we also had, uh, we got Dave Stewart from the Oakland A's. So that's how the season started. The Jays, just coming off the World Series win, was good again. They had seven All-Stars that year, Riley. Seven. Uh, I've... Do you have the list of those players right I here? I do, yes. I'm going to guess. Um, so, Stuart Molitor. Yeah. 
Um, well, Stewart uh, wasn't, but John Molitor was. Oh, uh, Dave Stewart wasn't really. Yeah. So for pitchers, who would have been was Dwayne Ward. Dwayne Ward as, was was an all star that year as a relief pitcher. Yeah. Um, maybe. Uh, oh, John Olerud. John Olerud mm-hmm. was was. I don't know. Give me the names of those seven guys. I instead okay, of thinking, Riley, I want to hear it. it. It's Whamco. You remember Whamco from the '93 team? Yeah. All five of them were all stars that year. Devin White, Roberto Alomar, uh, John Olerud, Joe Carter, and Paul Molitor. All of them were All-Stars. And then there was another pitcher. Uh, So Dwayne Ward and... Pat Henkin. Pat Henkin. Mm -hmm. Doesn't get talked about enough. He was a very steady Eddie pitcher and an All-Star, obviously, in 93. Yep. So not only that, the Jays were cruising through the first half of the regular season. They were just like, you know what? We're just going to go out and acquire another Hall of Famer. And at the trade (laughs) deadline that year... The Blue Jays sent out a trade to acquire Ricky Henderson. I think he's MLB's all-time stolen base leader, Ricky Henderson, to hit lead off for this team. You you think or you know that he's the all-time steal leader? He's got to be, right? I don't yeah. – Henderson, dude, Hender, there's a lot of records that won't be broken in baseball. I can assure you that Henderson leads – I think it's Lou Brock by um, a, an astronomical number, dude. Ricky Henderson has – godly numbers like i don't even if i was to play 162 games at t-ball i wouldn't have as many steals <laughs> as henderson has man so the blue jays had six all-stars in their lineup you want to talk about a murderer's row of hitters <laughs> try pitching to this 1993 toronto blue jays team like that stuff was insane they cruised to a 95 and 67 record just one less win than the year before but they finished seven games ahead of the new york yankees winning their third straight division title the Jays went on to beat the White Sox, Frank Thomas and the White Sox, four games to two in the ALCS. And then they went to the World Series yet again, this time facing the Philadelphia Phillies. Philadelphia Phillies team. Yeah, they had some guys on that team. Now, a lot of Blue Jays fans, when they're looking back and talking about the past, they, you talk a lot more about this 93 team than the 92 team. I think just because of how dominant this 93 team was with all the star power they had in there. Uh, the big game in that series was game three, or no, it was game four. Game four played under a slight rain in which the Blue Jays came back from a 14 to nine deficit and won that game 15 to 14. I think those nine, or those 29 runs scored in that game of the World Series is still a record to this day. I oh, it'll think, never be broken. Well, I don't want to say never, but it's going to take a lot in order for that to be broken. Man, that it would take some stuff, man. Someone's really going to have to scrape their chin up and keep pitching to for that to happen again. Mm-hmm. So huge momentum swing to take that game. Jays took a 3-1 series lead on that. In game six, the Blue Jays took a 5-1 to lead. Everything's coming up great. We got a four-run lead. The Jays are going to win back-to-back World Series. But the Jays gave up five runs in the seventh inning to end up trailing 6-5. to So... Started to look a little gloomy, didn't feel good. We get to the ninth inning. Philadelphia brings in their closer. Uh, Mitch Wild Thing Williams is the <laughs> guy. And he comes in, and he's a little wild. You could tell he had good stuff, but he couldn't hit the strike zone routinely. And I don't remember exactly how the inning went, but I remember Ricky Henderson got on. I remember – Oh, here, time out. I will tell yeah. you. Perfect. Henderson, Do that. He- well, Henderson walked, I believe, on mm-hmm. four pitches. Classic Wild Thing. I mean, yeah, and if Mitch Williams, if you like, <laughs> had probably the wonkiest delivery ever. As he's a southpaw, he's a left-handed pitcher, and he basically would finish his throw and end up to the front right of the mound. Right. Like I if mean, a scout I, saw that today, they would throw up. 
Oh, yeah, just <laughs> wild thing, right? Um, I don't know how Devon White got out, whether it was a flyout or a strikeout or what. Right. Um, and then uh, our boy, Paul Mulder, laces a base hit up the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, no, sorry. Got to go back batting order. Hold on. Henderson walks. Yep. Devon White out. Alomar out. So two outs, runner on right. first. Um, Molitor base hit. And then, Jesse, I'll leave it to you. <laughs> I don't leave it to me. Uh, the count gets to 2-2. There's a great documentary on this Joe Carter at bat. You can go through. You can find it on YouTube or whatnot. But I'm just going to give you a call from the great Tom Cheek. And now I can't imitate Tom Cheek. But the count went to 2-2. Two and two, And here's what Tom Cheek said. <clears throat> a swing and a belt. Left field. Way back. Blue Jays win it. The Blue Jays are World Series champions as Joe Carter hits a three-run home run in the ninth inning, and the Blue Jays have repeated as World Series champions. Touch them all, Joe. You'll never hit a bigger home run in your life. Chills, man. Absolute chills. Just you know what? I'm I haven't looked it up, but I know the other call probably better. I love that I love Tom Cheek as yeah. a Blue Jays fan, but I love the other one. What was now the, the one? T- now the two-two. Well, hit down the left field line. Way back in. Gone. Yeah, there you go. I don't know who the the classic announcer um, for the World Series and playoff baseball at the time. have no idea what his name is. Heard him countless times, though, um, in broadcast. (laughs) He must have been the NBC guy that they had calling the uh, the game and stuff. Uh, Fun little fact there, too. That was the second time ever a team has hit a a walk-off home run to win the World Series. Someone in Pittsburgh did it in the late 60s, I believe was the first oh, guy. So. Don't. Oh, it's blasphemous. Like, uh, Bill Mazeroski. Mazeroski. That was it. Bill yeah. Mazeroski in 1957. 57? I think it was the 60s, but still. Like, what Joe Carter did in that moment was what every kid who is a baseball fan dreams of doing. Hitting a home run to give your team the win to win the World Series. Like, I can't imagine what that must have felt like. 1961, I think, Jesse Bill Mazeroski. There you go. Sorry, I, I I I wasn't even listening to you. I'm sure you said something insightful. I was just thinking about <laughs> that home run, too. That's all good. So, Jays were really good. In the regular season that year, John Olerud, Paul Molitor, and Roberto Alomar finished 1, 2, and 3 in the AL batting crown. An absolute monstrous team. Probably the best the Blue Jays have ever had. I agree. But now like, let's I, move on. For sure, man. Uh <clears throat> One more thing of that 1993 series, because I've I've watched that, um, like, I don't know if it's ESPN or whatever. Um, But first of all, you had Mulder hitting the way he did. Um, He, and in that world series, he played third base, first base and DH. Mm -hmm. He, he was such a versatile player. Um, And obviously uh, we didn't, I don't know if you said it or not, um, won the MVP uh, world series MVP. He was just, he was just electric. Um, sadly though, like in, from a baseball guy first, um, the best player of that world series was Lenny Dykstra. Yeah. Lenny Dykstra just, I mean, he had five, I think five home runs in that world series and Kurt, Kurt and Kurt Schilling just about threw his arm off. Like Philly really put up a fight, but like we had just a monster club, man. 93 was a big year. Mm Mm-hmm. 
So we're going to move on to 1994 now. Expectations were still sky high because how could they not? You just won back-to-back -back World Series. Uh, but the Jays kind of slumped. They finished 55-60, and 60, recording a third-face finish, uh, all before the player strike happened. So labor issues even in the 90s as well. Joe Carter, Paul Molitor, and John Olerud were still having great years, but Juan Guzman, one of your guys there, he actually slumped considerably from his first three years there. He had an ERA over five in there, but the Jays started to develop a nice young core here. There were three young players in particular, Alex Gonzalez, Sean Green, and Carlos Delgado started to show much promise for the future. So we move on again into 1995 here. The Blue Jays got out of the player strike. Um, they have Pat Gillick, the longtime Blue Jays general manager, resigned and handed the reins over to Gord Ash. So we're now into another era of Blue Jays baseball. And Riley, what are your thoughts here of the late 90s, early 2000s teams? The late '90s, early 2000s. Um, I I looked, I looked at names. I looked at players. Um, just a, it's a fun era. It's not necessarily a successful era of Blue Jays baseball. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's it's one certainly longtime Jays fans like you and I remember. I mean, you you spoke of Sean Green, um, one of our you know first real outfield stars of the you know post World Series kind of in the World Series hangover era, um, yeah. showing promise. And <clears throat> Delgado on first, and then Alex Gonzalez um, at short. Um, later on, we got uh, two more outfielders, Jose Cruz and Shannon Stewart, a couple of other more great names in there. I remember Shannon St Stewart, great. And uh, Roger Clemens. This is when Roger Clemens, um, who claims that he hated it in Toronto, pitched yeah. for the Blue Jays. Came to the Blue Jays in 97, and he was amazing when he was here. Roger Clemens, who, as we talked about in our Hall of Fame episode, should be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, yeah, not much to say about him. We know he did steroids, and if you actually look back on his career, it was probably his time in Toronto when he did start to take steroids. At least that's what some of the assumption is. Uh, but the Blue Jays just weren't a real good team around him. You know, they had good pieces here or there, but Roger Clemens was doing his thing, and, like, no one else could really – peed up to him so after two years they let go of roger clemens they traded him away yeah we did have young pitchers in their starting out chris carpenter yeah, um, he was drafted yep um and then one more famously and notably uh, after carpenter roy halliday mm -hmm. um i believe in 1997 seems right um and then another kind of fun position player jesse um so let's talk about batting stances for a second okay um, you know, we see, you know, certain batting stances that are very, you know, recognizable. I like Nomar Garcia Parra. I love how he kind of fiddles with his gloves and things like You've that. Always been a big Nomar guy. I know. Uh, you, you see open batting stances, closed batting stances. That has to do with your feet either being closed off to the plate or opened up towards the field. Um, third baseman Tony Batista. Oh, yes, yeah, the very open stance. A very open stance, man. His He was 180 degrees facing the dugouts. Like, mm -hmm. his legs were just – I mean, that's like me doing the podcast like this. Like, <laughs> hey, Jesse, how's it going? He's just he, as much open as you can get. If you're, watch a, if you're a current baseball fan, check out the Reds and Aristides Aquino. It's kind of a lot like that, the very big, wide open stance. And Tony Bartista mashed. I think he had 40 oh, home runs in one of these seasons there. He did. He did mash, man. He was a, he was a great slugger. Um, him and Raul Mondesi, I believe, um, in a dark time, were pretty comparable. One infield, one out. Mm -hmm. um, another thing, too, that I just found out, one of my was drafted as a catcher, Josh Phelps. Yeah. I did not know that. I 
couldn't tell you he was a catcher, man. I just thought of him as a first base DH. Yeah, I mean, a lot like Carlos Delgado was drafted as a catcher too, right? Really? Yeah, so you see a lot of this. In fact, I think he caught for his first season before they moved him over to first base and stuff as well. Uh, the early 2000s, the late 90s, I don't know a ton about him. Rogers Communications bought the team in the year 2000, and it wasn't shortly long after that before they changed the team name to Rogers Center instead of Skydome. I think that might have been like 2003, 2004 they did that. Yeah. Uh, Carlos Delgado had become a star. He was hitting really good. He had a four-home run game in there somewhere. Uh, yeah, not a lot. The team really didn't get anywhere until 2002 um mm-hmm. the jp oh, ricciardi era here yeah vernon wells also was picked up in that era not not a superstar yet but another guy who obviously showed promise um yeah 2002 uh vernon wells would have been 23 years old but he yeah. did have 100 rbi seasons that was really good this was the team uh buck martinez was who we yeah. talked about in our announcers episode, he was coaching. He got fired about a third way through the season as the Jays started with a 20 and 33 record. He was placed by Carlos Tosca, who was the third base coach and was a, he was a coaching third base at the time. Uh, they did go above 500 to finish with a record of 78 and 84. This was Roy Halladay's first year coming on. He was relied as the team ace and he rose to the challenge of being the team's top pitcher. He went 19 and seven with a 293 ERA. So this was the start of Roy Halladay. And a lot of Blue Jays fans our age, this was kind of the era of Blue Jays baseball that we kind of got into and we started getting into there. Uh, Carlos Delgado was still really good, but they finished 78 and 84, third in the division. Yeah, our platoon pieces really weren't, uh, I mean, we had uh, like Dave Berg and Chris Woodward. Yeah, who's uh, now managing like, in Texas. Yeah, a better manager than player. Um, not a great bullpen. Bullpens win or lose you games, especially if you're the Toronto Blue Jays. Um, I'll let you kind of talk about more of the early 2000s before I get into my favorite players. Mm-hmm. And because there's a huge list of them, because this is the era. Um, you you talk more, Jesse. I mean, you being, I think, three years older than I am, you, you say 2002 was the start. I'm going to kind of move it up maybe to 2004, 2005. Right. Um, so I'm. I'll just yeah. touch a little bit on these players here. Uh, in 2002, Eric Hinsky, uh won Rookie of the Year. So he was part of this young core. And the Blue Jays kind of had – they had Delgado. They had a young Vernon Wells. They threw in Eric Hinsky. They thought they had this nice team coming. Uh, the 2003 season came up. After a poor April, the team had its most successful month ever in May. Carlos Delgado, monster again. Followed closely, Vernon Wells was really good again. Uh, but they couldn't pitch that well. Roy Halladay was awesome. This was his first Cy Young Award season when he went 22-7 and seven with a 3.2 ERA. And Shannon Stewart, uh, we, he just traded him away that year. So we got some stuff. Delgado was second in voting for the American League MVP, which was the answer to one of our trivia questions earlier this year. And that was the season we acquired Ted Lilly from the Oakland A's. So some of these core names we might remember growing up started to come into peace into 20, 2003. I'm going to move on to 2004 now, unless there's anything else you want to add about that season there. No, I got Ted Lilly's autograph on a on a baseball glove somewhere. That's, no way. Could be in a dumpster. Yeah, wait, man. You should find that. That's pretty sick. Uh, it's dude. It, I'm. We're. This is long gone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so 2004, the season was a disappointing year for the Blue Jays right from the beginning. They started 0 and 8 at home. Never had a lengthy winning streak, and much of that was to do was Vernon Wells got hurt, Carlos Delgado got hurt, Roy Halladay got hurt. Uh, Ted Lilly and Miguel Batista is a name you might remember. He, they were actually pretty okay. Pat Henkin was a veteran now at this point, still pitching on this team. He ended up retiring that year. 
Uh, we saw some Blue Jays names. You might remember Jason Frazier, Josh Towers appeared at the team this year. Yeah. And I think this was the year. Yeah. John Gibbons actually became manager this year for the first time. So a different core. We're now starting the John Gibbons era in 2004. So I'm sure you remember that team a little bit, do you? Don't you? Yeah. Oh, do I know that team? Yeah, man. Mm-hmm. We had, uh, I think we had, do we have Orlando Hudson yet? I think so. I believe he might've been on that team at that point. Yeah. And then yeah, obviously Jason Wirth and I think Reed Johnson and Frank Kettle and Otto enter here pretty soon. Yep, those were fun I, guys. They I were love, love Frank Colonado, man. One of my one of my favorite names. Um, and I don't Rios hasn't entered the chat yet, eh? Alex so Alex Rios was young. I think that was his first year, along okay, with uh, okay. Russ Adams and Gabe Gross, who uh, yeah, both of them were were poopy prospects, to put it lightly. Well, well, Russ Adams, I remember he hit a home run. I think it was against Minnesota uh, that gave me hope and be like, why can't Russ Adams do this all the time? But that's beside man, the point there. No, yeah, I know. Things that could have been like you, you're yeah, you talk about upside downside. If we were to do this Blue Jays podcast, you know, with that era, then we would not be so high on Russ Adams. Uh 2005 came. That was the year Rogers officially changed their name to the Rogers Center. And spring training of that year, Gabe Gross actually led spring training and home runs. So the Jays were wow. thinking, right, we have something in this guy. This guy's going to be part of our core. Uh, the Jays were actually going pretty good. Aaron Hill started up that year. His breakout started to happen. Uh, that was the year Roy Halladay was having another Cy Young season, but he was hit by that comebacker by Kevin Mench and was shut down. Like Roy Halladay was having his oh. best season of his career in 2025. So that, once that happened, the Jays kind of went a little down. Uh, but Josh Towers in the second half of that year actually had an ERA under three. So there were some glowing signs here. Wow, and Jays really? management at that point started talking about, we have money, we're investing in this team. We can start adding these free agents. So there was all this talk from the team and we were expecting a big off season at the end of 2005. Yeah, and um, just kind of got better with selecting platoon players, mm-hmm. um, joining Aaron Hill, if you, a middle infielder, um, fan favorite. I know everyone I talk to, Johnny Mack, John McDonald, um, great. You know, never never too, uh, too hot with the bat, but one of the most sure-handed middle infielders I've ever got to watch. Johnny Mack made some plays at shortstop that, especially on the hard offshore turf in Toronto, too, that yeah. you just don't see infielders make, man. He was something special with the glove. And uh, a couple more names to add to the bullpen, a young Brandon League, Justin Spire, yep. Scott Downs. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, Sean Markham that year as well. Sean Markham, five relief. Dustin McGowan. So these were all young guys, or Blue Jays fans of our age at least. We remember these guys. We had hopes for these guys. Brandon League, I think, threw 100. Or at least he learned to throw like 100 later. League in was – he was a he was a – flamethrower for sure he was setting up Fraser at one point I know that um I don't know if it was a lack of control but something held him down for sure so let's move on to that offseason then management has talked about we're going to be aggressive we're going to add additions to this team so before the 2006 season the Blue Jays signed BJ Ryan for five years and a ton of money and the year after we signed AJ Burnett Jays also made trades for Troy Gloss who you mentioned is one of your favorite Blue Jays uh, Lyle Overbay was one of my yeah. favorite Blue Jays of all time. And this yeah. team started to come together. Aaron Hill was still pr- productive. Uh, this was Adam Lynn's breakout season, I believe. Uh, so with Alex Rio still there, Vernon Wells still there, Roy Holiday, this team actually had five all-stars that year. Oh. So it was actually coming pretty good. 
Shea Hillenbrand was on that team that year. He was shipped out because he got in an argument with management. So he got Jeremy Accardo into this team. So another good piece. The Jays actually had 87 wins that year. And that was the first time as a Blue Jays fan in those in that decade that you really felt like this team is good. If this team can get into the playoffs, they could do something. But that was the time the Red Sox and Yankees were just way too good. Oh, and the Blue yeah. Jays were never going to catch them. So 87 wins. We ended up actually having more wins that year than the World Series champion St. Louis Cardinals did that year because they only had 86. But, hey, what you going to do? Yeah, I definitely have 2006 Blue Jays. That's my team of the decade, not necessarily based off skill, but based off against lovable guys, guys you like, guys you love to have watched. Uh, Doc and A.J. Burnett as the aces. Mm-hmm. Um, that's great. I loved A.J. Burnett in Florida. And yeah. coming to Toronto, he was my kind of guy. Threw a great high fastball, beat you with velocity every time. Uh, catcher, guy you didn't mention, the eldest Molina brother, Benji on that team. Benji, yep. Benji was yeah, great. Big old, he, fun fact, and I think you know this already, hit for the cycle, one of the slowest base runners of all time, hitting um, hitting a triple in Boston. He wasn't with Toronto at this time. It's just a funny story mm-hmm. um, because, you know, this guy was – Molinas are notoriously slow and catchers are notoriously slow. So add these two things together and you get three of the slowest brothers on the face of the earth. Um, great, great guy to watch, though, man. Yeah, let's try to move through these next things very quick here. It was that offseason the Blue Jays signed Frank Thomas, who we've talked about, and we re-signed Vernon Wells to a massive five-year extension. Uh, so, obviously, Vernon Wells' play kind of hit the bed after he signed that extension, but I thought it was worth it at the time. Uh, you know, I'm going to give you some of my favorite players I really liked during that era of Blue Jays baseball. Adam Lind, Lyle Overbed, which I mentioned, but uh, Casey Jansen, I want to throw some love to him. Yeah. Uh, he was a closer for a while. He was elite. He, was, he kind of threw that cutter before people really threw a cutter. And I really like seeing Casey Jansen there. Yeah. I, uh, oh, for sure, man. I'll give you a couple. Uh, shout out Canadians. Um, we're, a, we're Canadians here. We'll, we'll give you some Canadian names that played during this time. Uh, Corey Koski was the third mm-hmm. baseman, I believe, in 2004. Uh, we had Scott Richmond. Yeah. Uh, I've read his pick- books, actually. Oh, really? He's an author? Yeah. Oh, that's that's sweet. I never I never knew that. Uh, that's what I got for Canadians right there. And then other fun names that Jesse might have forgot about. See if I can trick you. Brad Wilkerson. I remember that. For, yeah. Do you? Curtis Thigpen. Oh yeah, he was um he was like the first break catcher prospect. Yeah. Curtis um Hector Luna. A big beefy third baseman, was he not? I I think he was pretty thick. Uh yeah. I know he was an infielder for sure. Um and socks up Joe Inglet. Yeah, Joe Inglet was good. Little scrappy uh, guy. The Blue Jays have always loved these little scrappy guys. Joe Inglet was one of them. Yeah. Um, um, and my last Canadian before I let you move on, um, which I missed because I can't read, uh, Matt Stairs. Thank you. Yes, of course. Who um, I think he's led uh, home runs by a Canadian. He either belongs to Justin Morneau or Matt Stairs or maybe Joey Votto, but he's up there. He's it's up there. one of the three. Yeah. Uh, I just want to say, Fuck you, Brian Tallett. I never liked watching Brian Tallett play. I remember leaving the Rogers Center one day after Brian Tallett blew a four-run lead for this team. The whole freaking go kart or go train station was saying, Brian Tallett ruined my day. And we were just chanting it on the go train. So for a young kid going through that, there's that there. Uh, let's that's, move on a little rough. bit. Yeah. We've got to get through this next part pretty quickly here. I'm going to take us all the way into 2009 which is when it, we call it the Jose Bautista era. Alex Anthopoulos had taken over the team at this time. And 
the Jays were kind of still in mediocrity. We hadn't made the playoffs since that 92 season, uh, but Jose Bautista became the real bright spot. We traded, we had just traded away Roy Halladay for the package that we've talked about last episode. Uh, and we didn't really know what we were doing. We we're kind of going to a rebuild year. Bautista comes over, he goes through a swing change and boom, he's hitting 54 home runs. So I thought that was pretty grand. He has another better year in 2011 where he goes through and he hits really well as well. Edwin Encarnacion was on this team, but he still, you know, remember we called him E5 because he was playing third base and he <laughs> couldn't make a throw across the diamond and people were calling for heads. Jay's actually released Edwin Encarnacion that year. He went to Oakland, but Jay's got him back a week later. So thank goodness. Man, that's a short, man. That's like a high school breakup right there. <laughs> right. Oh yeah, man. Um, and uh, this is where um, we thought we were getting our next um, big thing in Ricky Romero, who was a big thing for his first few seasons. He had two or three really good years. Ricky Romero did. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 2012, the team ditched those black jerseys and went with the jerseys we kind of see now. The put the blue back in Blue Jays. We got the big white with the maple leaf and stuff. I know I was really happy to see that. Uh, I'm just going to try to keep moving quick here. We're going to go into 2013. That's when the Jays had their massive trade with the Marlins that really shaked up this team and would help define how this team was going to be in the mid to 2010s. We traded for Josh Johnson, Jose Reyes, Mark Burley, Emilia Bonifacio, and John Buck. And then later that offseason, we also acquired Cy Young winner R.A. Dickey. You and, his, and, and his catcher, Josh Tolley. Oh, yeah. Him. Noted. Noted. <laughs> just... Uh, and that's important, eh? You know, great, great catcher and everything like that. Um, though, um, for me, it was um, really just another great era of guys that I liked. Uh, maybe I liked less pitchers than you in this era. I uh, wasn't a big fan of Reza Chimsky. Mark Zepchinsky? Scrabble, uh, as we call him? Scrabble, yeah. I <laughs> uh, wasn't a big fan of him. Or Aaron Loop or Brett Cecil. Yeah, and they're of, all lefties. They're all yeah, they're I just all they're all lefties. <laughs> yeah. Jays have had some longtime bullpen guys throughout that era there. Uh just gonna keep moving forward here. In 2014, that's when Edwin finally put it together. Edwin got hot. He had 16 home runs in the month of uh in the month of May. The Jays got hot, then they kind of struggled, but you could tell the signs were there. Bautista was still mashing, Edwin was doing his thing. You could really Jose Reyes was providing a solid shortstop. So you could see the pieces were coming together, but the Jays still weren't quite there. So that offseason in 2014, the Blue Jays made a trade with Oakland, sending out Brett Laurie, who was a fan favorite, a Canadian. People loved Brett Laurie. We sent him a handful of prospects, including Kendall Graveman, sent him out to Oakland, and we acquired Josh Donaldson. That's when this thing's really started to come together for this team. It's starting to get real now, man. Mm -hmm. It's starting to get real. In 2015, I remember the Jays would lose a lot of one-run games, and then games they won, they would dominate. Bautista, Edwin, Donaldson were doing the thing. Marco Estrada, after we traded Adam Lynn for him, was coming out. He was having a breakout year. Uh, we signed Russell Martin that offseason before to be our catcher. He was our stabling force back there. Devin Travis, the guy we got, young guy from the Tigers, he was coming in. He was hitting towards the bottom of the order. He was having clutch hits. Michael Saunders, another Canadian lefty, he made an all-star game at some point in his Blue Jays career. So... As though the team was only around 500 through the start. And actually, funny story about that 2015 team. They went into uh, Washington. They played a doubleheader. In game one, Anibal Sanchez threw seven and a third, no hit innings against the Blue Jays. The Blue Jays lost two nothing. The team was defeated because they had to face Max Scherzer in the double in the game later that night. So Kevin Pillar and the boys, they got together and they just had a nap. 
They literally took a nap. They woke up and they pounded Max Scherzer. Kevin Pillar had his first multi-home run game that day, and the Blue Jays just went soaring from that point on. So it was kind of the trend. They just needed one nap, recharge the batteries, and the Blue Jays were here. That trade deadline this year, they went out, they acquired one of my favorite players of all time, Troy Tulowitzki, Ben Revere, and David Price. And that Blue Jays team from that trade deadline probably rivals the 1993 team as one of the best Blue Jays teams ever. When they got, I mean, Price is great. Um, and and that those are all great. I personally, watching, batting stance, his his kind of baseball persona, Ben Revere just looked like he had so much fun out there. I mean, he was fast. He was a hitting wizard, you know, for a slap hitter. Um, just probably, you know, low-key, one of my favorite players on that team. He was just so much fun. Jays go into the playoffs that year. They faced Texas in the ALDS. Uh, we know how that went. We got down two games to nothing, and we thought we finally broke the playoff curse. After 15 years, we're going to get swept. But they came back. And then we all know what happens in game five of the uh, ALCS or ALDS, sorry, against Texas. We had uh, we had Jose Bautista and his big bat flip off Sam Dyson to put us into the next round of the playoffs. So that was great. We went on to play Kansas City in the ALCS that year, which uh, I still think the Jays really should have won that. But Kansas City, they were just the team of destiny, I guess, with their elite bullpen and their great outfields. And, you know, Jays just couldn't do it. But you know what, man? At the end of the day, we have Elvis Andrews to thank to getting us that far. You sure do. <laughs> so thank you, Elvis Andrews. Uh, 2016 was, again, very similar. The Jays in 2016 were a little different. Their offense, yes, was still good. They still had Bautista. They still had Edwin. They still had Donaldson. But they relied a lot more on their pitching. Did you know the Jays only used seven starting pitchers that whole season? That is extremely lucky. One of them was Drew Hutchison, who we literally just gave a spot start to just because I don't even think we needed to. So he was one of them. And we used Marcus Stroman, Aaron Sanchez, Marco Estrada, Jay Happ. And uh, we traded for Francisco Liriano at the trade deadline that year. I so like the look of that staff. Yeah, that was the best year they all had by far. I remember that was Aaron Sanchez when he was just dominant. He was elite that year. So his slider and his curveball yeah. just clicked. And was that, that was Aaron Sanchez's best year by and far. He- was that his coming off a three solid ERA? Mm-hmm. I think he was either high or high twos or low threes. It I was, I think it was three on the nose or two nine nine. So that was kind of that era of Blue Jays baseball. That's the one a lot of us are kind of familiar with. We're going to move on now and we're going to hammer this out quickly because it's the era we're currently in, right? It's the, it's the Vlad Jr. era, as I like to call it, where we have this young core, Vlad Bobachet, where we've added to it now with uh, with Hunjin Ryu, with George Springer. You know, we can throw in Robbie Ray and uh, what Marcus Semyon did last year into that mix as well. It's just, this is the one we're going to talk a lot more about as we go. This is the era that's still kind of developing. So we're still kind of telling its own stories. I don't think we need to touch too much on this. No, man, the story's like, I mean, we kind of had our own little segments here. The story's still right in itself. Mm-hmm. Um, this is, I wouldn't call it the Vlad um era uh because i love lord and bow too but it's i will how about this we'll call it the sons of <laughs> the uh two, the blue jays 2.0 Ross. the blue, blue jays two, 2.0 um got a lot of young great talent the sons of great players right uh so i just want to give a shout out to uh three players that we went that were here that i didn't really care for much billy mckinney Derek fisher and tanner roark those were guys that wore Blue Jays jerseys that uh, 
they're gone, they're <laughs> past, but they were part of the struggle that the, where the Toronto Blue Jays in between the Jose Bautista era and the Blue Jays 2.0 era here. Well, if you get three, I get three. So we're going to go shout out Colby, Colby Rasmus. Yeah, who a few I assume, years earlier, but yeah. Who I assume is one of the best golfers of all time with his swing. <laughs> um, well, if you're going for that era, that's fine. I was going to go back in time. Um, Good doing. Frank Cadenado and Reed Johnson, man. Two of my favorite outfielders, man. They weren't particularly great. But I just watched them a lot. And, man, if you watch something enough, you're going to like it. I don't know if I had Stockholm Syndrome with this Blue Jays team or what. But I really liked I really liked the mid-2000s Jays. They were lovable losers. Yeah, give me your batting order that you had drawn up. of. I think it was the 2016. Hold Let's on get a second. down that list there. I will, because it's so much fun, man. Um, I think – I don't know if this was the actual order. I assume leading off and playing right field was Alex Rios. Okay. Um. Two spot, I Aaron Hill was an all star in 06 or 07. I don't remember, definitely that, one of them. I think, I think two spot you give to Vernon Wells, yeah. uh, three, three spot Troy Gloss, then you go Shea Hillenbrand, uh, Lyle Overbay, Benji Molina, uh, Aaron Hill, Catalanato, and nine spot will be Johnny Mack, yeah, um, sure, again, and. Two out of every five starts, you're either going with Doc or A.J. Burnett. I could have picked 2007. The Really, the only change was I was taking away a couple guys. Um, would have gave me Frank Thomas, though. Yeah. Um, if I could cheat and do 2006 with a slight seven, I would change Hillenbrand out for Frank Thomas. But uh, what can you do? So it's not too bad. There's a lot of – I hope we brought up a lot of names you can remember as Blue Jays fans. And if you're a newer Blue Jays fan just kind of following along, I hope this segment kind of gave you a little bit of history about our past and – where things kind of stand as a franchise. So when we get into this story or this season, you can kind of hear and understand where we're coming from as Blue Jays fans, how things were and how things are going to continue to be. I think uh, yeah. anything else you want to add about that segment there? No, like uh, kind of going off what you said, I, if you are a new Jays fan, I hope the names didn't use you. Um, if you're <laughs> curious to look anyone up, um, baseball reference is great. Um, even if you're a curious, you know, avid baseball guy like myself and Jesse, I spent a lot of time on baseball reference today. And, like, I didn't even say all the names I wanted to, man. We'd be another 50 minutes. I, I had a pile of, of names. Um, it's just so much fun, you know. You just – there's so many players in baseball. And, you know, the MLB to the AAA for guys who are average players, it's a revolving door. So you get to see so many different guys come in and out, especially um, at the time like Toronto um, that wanted to give different people sample sizes. Right. I think it's just, there's a lot of names, a lot of people, a lot of history. I'm excited for what comes next. Let's get to it. Yeah. Let's not live in the past too much, but I am a nostalgic person. Yeah, absolutely. I do have a really quick, uh, Riley, we can hammer this out. And if you guys are watching, want to leave your answers down below, you can do that as well. Riley, I'm going to throw you five really quick. Would you rather questions? Blue Jays related. I love this. Yeah. Okay. Would you rather stand in the box against Nate Pearson or Ken Giles? Oh man! Um, you get to hit off one. If I had to hit off one, yeah. Can I can I walk against one of them? No, you got to try to put bat on ball, get ahead. Well, damn! I guess it's gonna be Giles, and I know he's gonna throw it over the plate. <laughs> It'd be kind of terrifying to sit there with Nate Pearson if he's not. I'm just gonna strike, close right? my eyes. Yeah, I'm gonna get plunked <laughs> by Pearson. All right. Would you rather sit down and have a beer with John Gibbons or Mark Burley? 
Oh man, Gibby for sure. You know, not nothing against Burley, one of my favorites of all time, even when he was with the Sox, uh, the White Sox, that is. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, maybe dabble into some Texas whiskey with Mister Gibbons. <laughs> You could probably share some fun stories and you could probably get into a bunch of shenanigans as well. Oh my God. Yeah, for sure. Would you rather attend a bongo concert by Charlie Montoyo or have a Star Wars marathon with R.A. Dickey? Oh man, I love Star Wars. I'm hanging out with Dickey. Yeah, Dickey is a classic big Star Wars guy. I think his walkout song was even the Imperial March. Imperial March, yeah, (laughs) Yeah. man. So that would be fun. If you're into into the Star Wars stuff, that would be really great. That's a a no-brainer. Would you rather not be able to choose your own walkout song or have to sing OK Blue Jays on the Jumbotron during every single game? Oh, man, I'm like I'm choosing my own walkout song, man. I'm a if I was good enough to play, I'm a good enough singer. I'll I'll um, I'll sing OK Blue Jays. What would your walkout song be? Depends on the year, man. Right now. Um. I don't know, man. Something by Green Day or Our Lady Peace. If I you're putting me on the spot, I am here, putting but, you on the spot. Yeah, uh, Big Dumb Rocket by uh, Our Lady Peace. Perfect, love it. And the last one I have for you: Would you rather throw out an absolute terrible first pitch at a ball game, or would you rather get caught picking your nose on the jumbotron? Man, I'm getting caught picking my nose on the jumbotron. <laughs> Ain't no way I'm going out to. You know, I would rather. Both are embarrassing, but. For me, I'm throwing that ball over the plate and I'm I'm coming out and shaking hands with whoever's catching that ball yep. and saying, hey, hey, nice throw there, Riley. You know, people are going to laugh at me. I think laugh with me and laugh at me in both scenarios, but I'm throwing that ball over the damn plate. All right, perfect. Well, that's about it for that segment there. We do have trivia before we get out of here. Riley, last week I asked you if you could name the Toronto Blue Jay who struck out six times in a game. Do you remember what your answer was? My Answer was Alex Gonzalez. And you nailed it, dude. He, I, it was in 20, I forget what year, 2001 maybe. Uh, but Alex Gonzalez did strike out six times in a game. Randall Gritchett, Colby Rasmus, and Teoscar Hernandez were your other options. Didn't happen to any of them. Uh, shout out to Ryan on Twitter, who also guessed Alex Gonzalez. Good for you, man. Glad you got that. Are you ready for today's trivia question? Yeah, um, let's give her a go, man. I like again another hard single up the middle of my last at bat. You know, trying to keep that average, uh, that average up. All right. So we talked about a lot of names from the past and a lot of uh, old Blue Jays. And I want to know: Can you name the Blue Jay all-time win leader as a reliever? So I'll say that again here. Can you name? Oh, the I know. Blue I Jay- heard you. Oh, no. Okay. Wow. Who is the all-time Blue Jays leader as a relief? As, as a, a relief pitcher, yes. Man. And again, if you're watching on YouTube right now, leave a comment below. This one's a little tougher than some of our other ones. It's really going to make you think about uh, Blue Jays in the present and Blue Jays in the past. So let me know what you think with the answer. I just, I just, I'm going to go just Dwayne Ward because like longevity is an important stat in this and he pitched and was successful. I'm going Dwayne Ward. All right. I won't tell you the answer here. We'll tell you the answer on the next episode. But I do want to shout out. I'm going to give you some Blue Jays names, and I'm going to tell you where they finished in this list. Oh, no. Don't. Okay. don't di- okay. Okay. So Brett Cecil had 13 wins as a relief pitcher. So where is he, 40th? He's 16th. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Good so for Steve, him. Steve Delabar, Ryan Tapera, Joe Biagini, and Aaron Loop all had 12. Delabar, How could I forget? Supply uh, teacher. 
moving up the list a little bit, Casey Jansen had 21. He was 13th all time. David Wells had 17 as a reliever. He's 12th all time. And Casey yeah. Jansen, who I mentioned earlier, he has 21 wins as a reliever. He's ninth. So I'll leave out the top five. If I haven't said them, then you know your answers might still be up there. We'll see. But yeah, tune in next week to figure out what the answer is. Then. Well, as much as I wanted to say Jeremy Accardo, I just don't think it's him. Okay. Well, we'll find and, I next certainly, and I certainly know it's not Kevin Gregg. That'll do it for our episode today. Uh, thanks, everyone, for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed our look into some of the great Blue Jays teams and eras of its past. It's always good to know where you came from so you can help tell the story of where you're going next. Uh, make sure you check out our friends over at Leafs and Lads to fill you in on all things Toronto Blue Jays. Follow our, our Toronto Maple Leafs, sorry. Follow us on Twitter at BudsJays and send us an email at BudsAndBlueJays at Hotmail.com. Any last words, Riley? No, this was a fun episode. This is I definitely had the most fun doing this. It's a blast from the past, man. I definitely said names that, you know, you hadn't heard. You gave me names that I certainly hadn't heard in a long time. Uh, we had a lot of fun. Uh, the Would You Rather was a nice thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I might throw curious. more of that as we go. Yeah, I know. I like that. That's a nice little touch, Jesse. Um, and, you know, that'd be good for other people. To really want to hear what other people have to say about the Would You Rather, especially the first pitch um, in the pick of your nose one, because I don't <laughs> think I'm – I really don't think I'm alone for that. Like, as as someone who's played the game of baseball – if you get on a big league hill, no matter in what scenario, you want to throw the ball over the plate. Absolutely. Last thing you want is to be like um, Carly Rae Jepsen or Jay-Z, where you're just throwing the ball right to the backstop right away, and it makes the rounds on Twitter and on YouTube. And Like, dude, I might I might just throw in, like, I'd rather pick my nose and eat it. Like, throw the <laughs> eat it part in there, too, man. Like, I mean, it's a big deal. All right. Well, that's it. We're heading out for today. We'll see everyone next week. Thanks, guys.